I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, whatever you read on, and today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, now, I recognize that this passage may be a little difficult to find, uh, so let me give you some clues on how to locate 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, if you're in a physical Bible, just open up to the table of contents. Uh, you're going to find that 1 Corinthians is in the big section called the New Testament. Uh, so find the New Testament. Several books in is 1 Corinthians. Go to that page number and then uh, go until you hit chapter 2. Now, if you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible. Uh, there you'll find that 1 Corinthians is a little more than two-thirds of the way down that list. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's say, and I've, I've posed this illustration before, but let's say that you uh, go to Sunday morning service uh, somewhere here in Scottsdale or at a place that I've lived before, and, and you're sitting there talking after service at this restaurant, and the people behind you have been eavesdropping, and you've been talking about the service and Pastor Chad and the, the, the things that I spoke about, and the person in the booth next to you says, oh, Pastor Chad, I know that guy. And then they begin to describe someone who is six foot four with long flowing blonde hair and devastatingly handsome. Now, okay, they got two out of three right. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is that they're probably not talking about me. They're probably talking about someone else that they've misunderstood to be the Pastor Chad that you've been speaking about at your table. Uh, and that can happen. You know, there, there are common names, there are misconceptions. Um, but what's even worse is if you do know me, uh, maybe even if you attend our online service or our in-person services here at First Scottsdale, you know me well, but you misquote me or you put words in my mouth or you, you say that I said something that I didn't actually say. Uh, that happens all the time, too. I mean, I'll say something in a service, and it gets misconstrued or misunderstood, or maybe I didn't speak it clearly enough or, or in a way that clarified it enough for the people who are listening to fully grasp, fully understand what I'm trying to communicate, what I'm trying to say. But do we do this with God? Do you think that there are times when we, as followers of Christ, we take something that we read in his word and we, we misunderstand it or maybe we misrepresent it or maybe we don't fully grasp what Jesus is trying to tell us in his word. That's what this sermon series is all about. We are going to be spending the next several weeks uh, in a new series called The Word. And this is all going to be focusing on how to read and how not to read the Bible. Uh, we're going to be unpacking all sorts of ideas and looking at misconceptions, misunderstandings that come from uh, either a good or a, a bad reading of Scripture, uh, maybe bad habits that we get into when we open God's Word. And so we're going to be unpacking how to do this better. And this is the first in a set of series that we're going to be doing over the next several years that are going to be talking about how to connect and how to grow in Jesus. Things like reading his word and prayer and worship and things like that. So uh, this is the first in, in a few series that are going to be like this. Now I will say that this series is going to be a little different from the normal series that we tend to do here at First Scottsdale or that I as a pastor generally do. 
this is going to lean a little more in the intellectual, uh, practical application side. We always have a practical application, but this is going to lean a, a lot more into that. And so um, uh, this will be a five to six week series, and we're going to be leaning in hard uh, on some of these ideas. Now, today, I, I want to focus on a few things. The first thing that I want to unpack is how clear is Scripture? Uh, we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about the role of the church and the Holy Spirit in our reading and understanding Scripture. So let's talk about that first idea, how clear Scripture is. Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And this is a, a very common passage that uh, we see uh, talked about uh, in history and in the church. Uh, there are a couple of things that I want us to notice in this psalm, Psalm 119, 105. The, the, your word is a lamp to my feet. Now, the word lamp there refers to uh, like a light that you can hold, but then it goes on to say it is a light to my path. The word light there is much more like the sun, a large light that illuminates a massive area. So God's word is important not just to our individual step-by-step walking, walking in Jesus, our journey with Jesus, like taking us steps and and using a lantern or a lamp to guide our way, but it is also uh, valuable to our overall journey and the journey of the church and the journey of our community and the journey of our family. Uh, It is essential to all aspects of our faith, our journey with Jesus. So how clear is Scripture? How clear is God's Word? Well, there's a, a, a fancy term uh, that I want to throw out here. The clearness of Scripture, the fancy term for this, is the perspicuity, the perspicuity of Scripture. Hey, the clearness, how clear is Scripture? Well, the Catholic Church teaches uh, that Scripture can only be interpreted by priests, by those who have been trained to unpack and to study God's Word. Now, the reformers, the guys in the 15 and 1600s that uh, brought about a lot of our Protestant denominations, they didn't fully believe this. They believed uh, that everything that one needed to know about how to be saved was abundantly clear in Scripture. You didn't need some priest or professional theologian to unpack and understand what it means to be saved and how to be saved in Jesus. But they did recognize that there were parts of Scripture that you probably needed help unpacking. Uh, Let me give you uh, an idea of how they would have worded this. Uh, There's an old confession, an old statement of faith called the Westminster Confession, and it explains uh, what we have traditionally believed on this. It says, All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet, those things that are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of Scripture or another that not only the learned but the unlearned in due use of the ordinary means may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. I know, Old English 
very hard to understand. Let me summarize this. It's basically saying not everything in Scripture is easily understood, but what we must understand in order to be saved in Jesus is clearly and easily understood. You don't need a degree in theology or go to college or seminary in order to understand what the Bible says about being saved from your sins, rescued from your sins in Jesus. That is clear. But there are other things in Scripture that take a little training, that take a little bit of education maybe. But does the Bible support that idea? I think it does. Let me give you a few passages. The Bible confirms that there are difficult things in the Bible. Uh, So 1 Peter 3, verses 16 through 17 say, Our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given. So this is Peter. He's the early great leader of the church, and he's mentioning Paul, the missionary that has gone out and who wrote much of our New Testament. And he says this, verse 16, As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Peter is making the argument that many of the things contained in Peter's letters are difficult to understand. And that we, as readers of the Bible, need to be cautious that we're not listening to someone who twists the scriptures and, and, and teaches us wrong beliefs about what is written in God's word. Um, Joshua, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua is uh, in the Old Testament. It's actually the, the fifth book of the, the Old Testament. Joshua is all about the people of Israel going into the promised land. And it says this in Joshua 1.8, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have, have good success. The idea here is that Joshua, God, through Joshua, is telling us to meditate on his word regularly, day and night. And meditating means you're thinking on it, you're studying it, you're contemplating it, you're, you're letting your thoughts revolve around the scriptures, around God's word. Well, if scripture is easily understood and it doesn't take much work, then why the need to meditate and study it regularly And be careful to do according to what it says. Luke chapter 24 verses 44 through 45 say this. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, we're going to look at some other passages uh, about how the Holy Spirit opens the scriptures to our minds and hearts. But but clearly, Jesus had to uh, unpack the scriptures to his followers to help them understand it. They couldn't understand some of the more difficult things on their own. They needed Jesus to walk them through it. 
So the Bible repeatedly commands us to meditate and study Scripture better, to understand and follow it. Uh, obviously, meditate meaning that we study it, uh, we grow in it, we understand it more and more and more as we uh, spend time in it. Uh, psalm 119, the same psalm that I mentioned at the beginning of the message today, uh, talks about repeatedly asks God to give the writer of Psalm 119, give me understanding. In other words, the writer of this psalm and many other psalms and other passages of Scripture repeatedly ask God to help us understand his word better, that, that we can't understand it fully on our own. Um, in Acts 15, there's this, this big meeting of church leaders that gathers, and they are discussing how to unpack uh, this idea of whether Gentiles, when they become followers of Jesus, if they're supposed to follow all of the Old Testament laws of the Jews. Uh, and they sit down, and they debate, and they study God's Scripture, and they unpack it together so that they can understand what God's will is for them as they lead the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, into faith in Jesus. Now that took study, it took discernment, it took uh, taking a difficult uh, idea from the Bible and unpacking it together in order to understand what God's will was. So, to recap, we can understand all that we need to understand in God's word in order to be saved by Jesus. But there are other things in God's word that can be difficult. And I'll be honest, the reason that those things are difficult to begin with is because sin pulls us away from God. Sin makes it difficult for us to connect with him. Uh, and so I want to give you four ideas. Scripture can be understood, but here's the first idea. It cannot be understood without effort. Secondly, it cannot be understood without a willingness to obey it. Third, it cannot be understood without the help of the Holy Spirit. And fourth, it can't be fully understood without the help of the body of Christ. Um, it, it could be compared to this. It, imagine that I was going to go hike Camelback Mountain, and I begin at the bottom, and I can look up to the top, and I can see uh, you know, some things, but they're blurry at the top. I can't make out the details. But as I journey, as I continue to move forward up that uh, Camelback Mountain, as I get closer to what I was looking at at the top, as I get closer to it, it will become more and more clear to me. I'll understand it. I'll get the details. I'll see the intricacies and the, the, the finer details of what it is that I was looking at below and just seeing uh, a blurred image. But as I get closer, as I work, as I journey, I can understand it more. The same is true with Jesus and God's word. As we continue to study, as we work, as we go through the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit, we can understand God's word more and more and more and more. You, you'll never reach a point where you will fully understand all of God's word. You can always grow. And I'll tell you one thing, I read God's word regularly and God is always opening up brand new things to me as I read his word. So, 
Now let's transition from how clear is Scripture to how are we to read and understand God's Scripture, God's Word. Uh, There are two things that I want to unpack here. I'm going to make an argument right now that you cannot fully understand what God's Word has to say. You can't grow and connect to God's Word unless you are doing so within a church body and you're doing so through the Holy Spirit. Um, So that leads me to today's big idea, actually. So if you've ever listened to one of my messages, you know that I don't usually give like three main points or anything like that. I like to give you one main big idea, and I want you to take this big idea, and I want you to think about it this week and study God's Word to see if this is true and to unpack this and meditate on this. Make sure that what I'm teaching is biblically accurate. And today's big idea is this. We cannot understand His Word without His church and His Spirit. We can't understand God's Word unless we are connected to God's church and we're connected to God's Spirit. Uh, And so let's unpack this for a second. God's Word was never intended to be studied solely in private, in, in seclusion, in a bubble. It was always intended to be studied and then studied and unpacked alongside other people within the body of Christ. Uh, So let me give you some passages that kind of unpack this idea. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Uh, so, So even in the Old Testament... There's a challenge that uh, you're not going to grow the way you should. You're not going to uh, develop and mature as a follower of Jesus uh, the way you should, the way God wants you to, if you're not connected to other followers of Jesus. Uh, Listen to the example from the early church. This is in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, the early church had a consistent pattern of studying Scripture together. They would go on Sunday and they would listen to the apostles' teaching. And then throughout the week, uh, most, most nights of the week, they would gather in each other's homes and they would sit at a table and eat a meal together and they would discuss what they had heard, what they had been taught by the apostles. And this was the model. We don't have a model in the Bible of people going individually and taking their Bible and studying it in isolation. Every time we see, especially in the book of Acts where it gives us these many examples, We see where people take what they've learned, what they've heard uh, from God's word, and they go and they discuss it with other followers of Jesus. They do it, uh, they study it as a body. So they would meet in homes. Uh, We see this in the Old Testament as well. Uh, The people would do this in the Old Testament. They would go to the synagogue and they would study, and then they would go and discuss these things as a community. 
um, and, and unpack God's word within the body. And I think there are advantages to this. Our diversity in thinking is a strength. First off, we can challenge one another when one of us has a belief that is not quite biblical. So, so maybe my thinking or my beliefs kind of veer away from what the Bible says. Well, if I've got, uh, if I'm plugged in, if I'm connected to the body of Christ, I have fellow believers that are surrounding me and helping me to understand that maybe that belief or that line of thinking is not biblical. And so I get challenged on that. Uh, we can bring unique ideas uh, that we've learned to the discussion. So, you know, we can go to a Bible study together and we can be unpacking a scripture. And one of us may have heard a pastor that we follow or that we used to go to their church teach on this and bring some very unique, uh, great way to understand that passage. That's an advantage. And we can bring, as individuals, new ideas to discussions. Uh, when we talk together, and we can help one another grow and connect in Jesus. So, the first idea is that we cannot understand his word without his church, but we also cannot understand his word without his spirit. The Holy Spirit is a vital part of understanding, of unpacking God's word. Uh, Listen to what Jesus has to say in John 16. This is John 16, verses 12 through 15. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, so Jesus himself here in John 16 is unpacking this idea that if you want to f- understand truth, if you want to connect and grow in truth, you need the Holy Spirit to do so. Uh, the Bible talks about in other places that uh, the spirit of this realm, in other words, Satan, uh, deceives those who do not believe in Jesus. He, he has deceived them into believing that Jesus is not real or that Jesus is not the only way to be rescued from your sins. And so he uses that deceit to keep people away from Jesus. But when you know Jesus, when you believe in him, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that Holy Spirit will help you and guide you in truth. Uh, Listen to what that passage. So I told you to turn to 1 Corinthians 2. Open up to 1 Corinthians 2 now. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 2, it's written by... Paul, I mentioned him earlier, he's a great missionary uh, in the New Testament. He went and uh, preached the gospel all around the known world at that time, and he, he taught about Jesus, and people came to know Jesus, came to believe in Jesus, and he started churches uh, wherever he went. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, Paul says this, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, 
but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. You see, the Spirit is necessary to us understanding, comprehending the truth of God's Word. The Spirit searches and reveals the deep things of God. He, he, the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to understand those deep things. Without Him, we would be lost. We would not have that component to understand the more difficult things. You see, you cannot do what we're talking about here without the Spirit. You can't sit down with God's Word and truly understand what God means by it without His Spirit guiding you and helping you to understand what God's truth says. Now, before I wrap this up, I, w- I want to say a quick word about the purpose of God's Word. Uh, I've, I've unpacked the idea that God's Word is clear in everything that we need to understand to be saved. But there are difficult parts to God's Word, and, and we'll be talking about some of those difficulties in the coming weeks. So kind of hold on to that. Uh, don't jump to conclusions quite yet. Uh, we will unpack that idea a little more. But there's a purpose behind this book. There is a beautiful purpose for us. And the purpose has to do with the part that is clear to us. The part that is clear to us is how we can be saved from our sins, rescued from our sins by Jesus. You see, God's Word is a beautiful story of reconciliation. And, and what do I mean by that? It is a love story between God down to us. You, you see, we broke our perfect connection with God when we sinned. Sin is any time that we are disobedient or any time that we don't do the right thing that we know we should have done, that's sin. And, and sin breaks our relationship. It tears that relationship with God apart. But Jesus came, and Jesus came to reconcile, to repair that broken relationship between us and God. And how did he do that? He came as the Son of God, and he died on a cross, shedding his blood. And by the shedding of his blood, we can be forgiven. And our relationship with God, when we believe in Jesus, that relationship with God that's been broken can be fixed. It can be reconciled. And that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus loves you so much that he could not stand to see the relationship between you and God to continue to be broken. So he came and repaired that broken relationship out of his love for you. You see, his word is there to connect us to him. The purpose of God's word is to connect us to God. That's the purpose. That's the reason that he gave us his word. Understanding this book is not about learning facts. It's about connecting us with a Savior, with a God who loves us, who died and rose from the grave on the third day so that we could be rescued from our sins, so that our relationship with God could be repaired. And so please hear me. The purpose of God's word is not about facts. It's not about data. It's about us connecting with God. It's for us knowing him better. 
you know, we've, we've got a mission statement. It's right there on that wall. We exist to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And we do that in four ways. Our four values is we believe. We have strong beliefs. We believe in Jesus. The second of our beliefs is that we connect. We connect to God, to his people, and to our community. And in that connection, we grow in him. We change, we grow, we get better, we get closer to God. And lastly, we serve. We serve God, we serve the church body, and we serve our community out of love. Guys, we're going to be focusing on believing and growing, or connecting and growing. Those are the three things that this series is all about. We want to help you understand what true belief is and how to connect to God and grow in God. And that's what we want to do here in the next coming weeks. Now, I've got to ask, maybe you're listening right now, and maybe you've never come to a place where you believe in Jesus. And maybe some of what I've unpacked, some of this idea of God wanting to reconcile, to repair that broken relationship out of his love for you, maybe that strikes a chord, maybe that touches you deep down inside. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe there's something in your intellect that wants to know more or, or, or has questions that are pausing you or keeping you from believing in Jesus. If you want to know more, if you've got questions, if you want to know what a journey with Jesus looks like, if you want to know more about the love of Jesus, I want you to do something. I want you to reach out to us. Uh, in the post of this video, there's a uh, link to our contact us page on our website. I want you to click that link. It'll take you to the contact us page on our website. Fill out that short form there, and I personally will reach out to you this week. I would love the opportunity to reach out with you to you, to connect with you, and answer any questions you may have about following Jesus, about Jesus or his word. Uh, so please, I'm ending this sermon. I'm about to pray right now, so feel free to Go click that link and go over to our website to the contact us page. But reach out to us and let us know if there's anything that we can do, any questions we can answer to help you go further in your journey with Jesus. Will you join me now as we go to the Lord in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we have this chance to come here uh, to, to study your word. And I pray for this new series, this new message series that we're in. I pray that you'll help us to understand how to better read your word, how to unpack what your word says, and how to do it in a way that connects us with you and grows us in you. So, Lord, we thank you so much for this time. And we pray that you will help us this week uh, to connect, to understand your word through your church and through your spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And we lift all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.